This is the, this is the meaning of the word. Not subject to any condition. Not subject to any conditions. Yes. And the word is unconditional. Unconditional. The Webster's Dictionary says the word means not subject to any conditional. Any conditions. And under that in parentheses it says unconditional surrender. And as I began to think about the Word of God, and I began to think about all the things that I've been hearing and all the things that I've been dealing with, <clears throat> I began to think about the Word of God as a whole, the Bible. You see, it's not only theological, but it's also practical. See, you used to see... I used to get around some people and they would start spewing the Bible out at me and and I used to sometimes I'd say they're they're so heavenly minded they're no earthly good because everything is up here. Nothing is relational down here. And and I begin to think about how, how unconditional they are and how unconditional we are. You see. To obey its message will only change, will not only, excuse me, will not only change your position before God, but it will also your, your practice before men. You see, I believe that when we start grafting the word of God, we begin applying the word of God to our heart. Not only does it change our position where we are in God, but it will also change our practice before men because you will find yourself doing the things right before men instead of things that are questionable before men. You see, because what does God want from us? He wants our unconditional surrender. He wants your unconditional surrender. That's what, that's what Christ wants from us. He wants us to love him no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in your life. He wants you to love him. Why? Because he's loving you no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what kind of things seem to be falling around about you, he is still displaying his love unconditionally to you, even when you sin against him. Somebody will say, what? How is that possible? Because his love is never ending. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that means when you get in the trenches of sin, he's still there with you. He's not going to leave you. You may have abandoned him, but he has not abandoned you. So therefore, his love is unconditional. He's going to be there. It will, the Bible will not only change your record in heaven, but it will also change your reputation before men. You see, when you find yourself engulfed in the Word of God, you find yourself wanting to do the things that are practical and right before the Savior. You're not going to want to say, well, you know, I, you know I've, I have this big bill coming up this week, and I know I don't have enough money. I know it's a, 
It's a sin to go and rob the bank. But I do have a good reason for it because I have a bill that's got to be paid. So does that make it right? No. You see, the conviction of the Holy Ghost comes in and, and tells you this is wrong. So your obligation is to obey the Holy Ghost, to obey the Spirit of God and not go and do that which isn't right, right? So the Word of God begins to equip us. It begins to show us how to live. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. <clears throat> and Paul says, like, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it, in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I pray, God, this morning in these next few minutes that we have together, I pray, God, let your word become alive and active in us this morning. Let your word stand out in our hearts. Let us truly understand what it is, Lord Jesus, that, that sets us apart from the world. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you go back to Romans 6, 1, it says, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul emphatically says, no, we're not to do that. Now, saved and secure, shall we live in sin? I, I don't know about you, but I don't care to live in sin. I don't care to have sin running rampant in my life. We don't even want to think about that. How many got up this morning and thought, wow, I think I'm going to sin today? No? Nobody? You probably got up this morning and said, I'm going to have coffee. You know, I'll get to church and have a bagel or a donut or go and sing some worship, listen to Pastor Dave's joyful noise. No, none of us thought about those things this morning. When we got up, the first thing we thought about this morning was self. What am I going to wear? Come on. It's truth. That's truth. Nobody got up this morning and said, okay, Lord, what should I put on? Did you get up and say, Lord, what should I put on this morning? No. You got up and your first instinct was to get dressed and, and, and get ready for church. That's, that's what we did. That's what I did. Matter of fact, when I woke up this morning, I said, I hope the donuts are ready because I really don't want to run behind today. That's what I thought. That was my first thought. So I got up. I was getting ready, and I heard my wife's alarm going off in there. Neep, 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 neep. And so I said, are you ready for the first drop? She said, yes. So I went and put her first eye drop in. And then I went back to the bathroom. I was finished getting ready. Now I hear, neep, 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 neep. Go back there. You ready for drop number two? Yep, ready for drop number two. Put drop number two in. Went back and 
back and forth for four drops. Takes 20 minutes. Five minutes between each drop. And so when I was done, Bella got up, stretched. She has this little bed right down by our bed, right down on the side, and she lays up on this little thing, and it's all nice and soft, and that's where she sleeps. And so I said, well, I'm getting, I got to get going. Well, she got up. When she got up, that meant she has to go. So she just stands there. She waits for me to carry her out to where her pad is so she'll go to the bathroom. Why, she's got four little legs. She can walk out there. But she knows I'll carry her out there. So she stands there and waits. So I take her out there. I set her down. She goes to the bathroom, and then she tramples those little feet over to the water dish, gets a drink, and then she tramples back to the bedroom and jumps up on her little bed and curls up and goes back to sleep. That's her life. Our life is much different. I, I hate to break it to you, but none of you are dogs this morning. You weren't trained to do things in an orderly fashion. Or were you? Mm. A question to ponder. Or were you? You see, because if we live according to the word of God, God is showing us how to live. God is instructing us on what to do with our lives, right? So God has trained us in the way that we should follow after him. So what is it in our life that needs to surrender in order to get close to God? Well, knowing that you died with Christ would be number one, and that you are alive through God. Now, I want to talk about three little areas this morning of the do's. And the first one is do not surrender to yourself. Because we see here that Paul begins to talk about reckoning or count yourselves dead as to sin. We should regard the old man. We should get rid of the old nature. And so we don't surrender to those things that gratify the body. We need only to go back to the garden of Adam and Eve and remember the fall and what took place there. Eve did not obey. She went and took the fruit that she wasn't supposed to take of and her and Adam partook of the fruit that they were supposed to leave alone. So they disobeyed. So therefore we now have the fall of man and so now we've all living in a fallen world. We only need to read a newspaper or watch the news to be convinced of how much sin is running rampant in the world today. I had this discussion this past week and some things kept going through in my mind and I was listening to young people who are talking about the way things are. You know, I was talking to them about, well, I only read out of the King James because that's what I like and it's never changed, but if you get the, the NIV or the new NIV or the standard or the American standard, all these Bibles continually have updates. They continually change. They continually change the words in the, in the Bible. And why, I don't know. I think if it's good enough for the Lord Jesus Christ to have put in there, leave it alone. Well, why, why do you want to fix what's not broke? But... I have young people tell me all the time, but you don't understand. The world is changing. We got we to gotta catch up. And I thought about that long and hard. Because 
Every time I read the word of God, it says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It has not changed at all. We're the ones doing the changing. So now we're expecting God's word to change with us. When it's totally the opposite of how we're supposed to be teaching the world. We're supposed to be teaching the world to follow God's standards, not God's standards following the world. And see, that's where we keep pushing. The younger generation keeps pushing us in that. It's, you're living in, and I've heard this many times, sometimes from my daughter. Dad, you're just old-fashioned. Old-fashioned I may be. But I can't change God's word. I don't care if I'm a new fashion. I can't change what God says. What God's word says is what he means. And what he means is what he says. And so therefore we all need to be conducting ourselves according to the word of God. Not according to the world. I remember years ago when I first got into ministry, I signed a little card that said I would never go to movies. Because if you went to the movies, you were definitely going to be in your fryer. Okay, I'm use that word lightly. You know, I could have used the other word, but but I I could have been in the fryer. Okay, if woman were to wear makeup or wear jewelry, they were going to be in the fryer. Things have changed. Why? Because. They were dealing with the church that was being legalistic. When simply the word of God says, he that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say excluding those who went to the movies, those who wear lipstick, those who wear makeup, those who wear jewelry, those who have long hair, who are men, those men who have tattoos or those women who have tattoos. There's, there's, there's no exclusions in God's word. Why? Because God loves the world. He loves all of us. Despite of our inconsistencies, despite our failures, he hasn't changed. And the thought of me going to church and having to recondition myself to please the world, I can't do. Because I have to conform to God's word. Amen? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, I think I'm going to step on somebody's toes. You see, the Bible is full of evidence of how much God loves us. He's given us parable after parable Describing his love to us. You see, people are in love with themselves. They're in love with the flesh. Go out into the world. You can't help but notice it. I go to work sometimes and some of these guys, they have new tattoos. They say, oh, look at this new tattoo I got. And I'm like, why would you waste your money on such stuff? Okay, it's old-fashioned thinking. But the young people say, well, they're, how's it? They're, they're a portrait of art. I said, a portrait of art belongs on a wall, not on your skin. Jesus 
makes the difference clear in John 3, 6. He which is born of the flesh is flesh. He that is born of the spirit is spirit. You see, church, we must make a difference. We must become clear as to where we stand when it comes to dealing with God in his word. There are biblical examples of men who have surrendered to the flesh. You got Felix. Felix was succeeded as a a procurator having detained Paul for two years. For what purpose? Just to make the Jews happy. So he yielded to the people. He yielded to the flesh. He just wanted to make them happy so he could look like the good guy. Then you got the rich young ruler who went before Jesus and said, what must I do to be saved? And, and Jesus begins to tell him all these things, keeping the commandments and this and that and the other thing. And what did the young man say? I've done all these things. So he's feeling pretty good. I've done all these things, so I'm in great shape. Then Jesus lowers the moon. Sell all you have and give it to the poor and follow me. Oh, hold up. Oh, now you're talking about my finances. If I was to tell you guys to go home and sell all that you have, give it to the poor and follow Jesus, you'd say that pastor has lost his mind. He has no idea how hard I've worked for all this stuff. But you can't take any of that with you. I want to see the first person pack up their house and put it in their coffin. That ought to be interesting. I'll never forget the day I was watching TV and they had the funeral of Michael Jackson. I apologize to you who are watching right now. Not trying to just put anybody down, but I was just trying to get a point across. And they had this big arena filled with people at his funeral. But Jesus wasn't hardly mentioned one time. An arena full of people. People talking about, oh, what a grand funeral it was. This casket made of gold. I thought, what a waste of money to put it in the ground. He gets to heaven. If he got to heaven, he said, hey, I brought my house. We don't need any more pavement up here. We got plenty. Listen, what do people remember now about Michael Jackson? Do they remember that grandiose funeral? No. There are probably not very many people who even remember who he is. I'm sure if you ask some of the young people, hey, do you know who Michael Jackson was? Yeah, who's that? You know, the guy with the white glove, the hat, wiggled around on the stage and sang a few songs? Yeah, no. I remember the white glove. I thought it was a Mickey. I thought he stole it from Mickey. And then he got it all glittery. I guess that was supposed to be something new. I don't know. Listen, I want people to remember me for what I stood for. Not that I was trying to change the world. That Christ through me was trying to change the world. You see... We have, we, have a, we have an important thing to do in our life. We have, we have to set the example for the world that's falling. So what do we need to do? I got the answer. We need to surrender to Satan. 
No. Don't surrender to Satan. You see, the assault from the outside, remember Eden, our discussion? Her decisions, their decisions together.